Podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we have a really great episode, folks, this week. We have Ralph Blumenthal, former New York Times reporter and winner of a Pulitzer Prize and author of The Believer, Alien Encounters, Heart Science, and the Passion of John Mack. Our special guest co-host is Tim Swartz, author of many thousands of books that they don't want you to read. Is that what it is, Tim? Yeah, that's right. That they don't want you to know. <laughs> okay, Ralph, we were talking briefly before we got started, and welcome to the show. And you were mentioning you got started working as a journalist back in 1963 in Texas. How did that happen? Well, I had uh, finished at uh, City College of New York. I finished in the off year because I stayed an extra semester to edit the college paper. So I had some time on my hands before I was starting at Columbia Journalism School. So I went down to Texas to look around and ended up getting a job at a small suburban paper called the Grand Prairie Daily News Texan, part of a chain. And Grand Prairie, which doesn't exist anymore because it was wiped out for the airport outside Dallas. But that time it was a little typical, dusty little Texas town uh, with a little newspaper. And it was very exciting. It was a weekly. And of course, I got to do everything. And I mean everything. I took the pictures, wrote the stories, uh, edited the stories, pasted them into the paper. (laughs) So uh, it was a good education. But you left before the Kennedy assassination, correct? Right before. It's interesting because I got sort of wind of the climate down there. It was very ugly. I actually attended a meeting of some anti-Kennedy people for the for the paper. Uh, they had a, a meeting down by the riverside, very creepy, where they were talking about how much they hated the Kennedys. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, you could see the mentality, the climate. I'm not saying those people did it, but certainly they, they, they would celebrate it later. So the fast question here, and of course, we don't want to be too conspiratorial, but this is a paranormal radio show. We have to do that. Do you have an impression of the Kennedy assassination? Was it just Oswald or some underlying conspiracy? No, it was Oswald. Years later, when I went down for the New York Times, I believe it was the 40th anniversary of the assassination. And I really retraced Oswald's steps from the book depository, the apartment he lived in with Marina. It was, you know, Jack Ruby, where he uh, killed uh, Oswald in the police station. I retraced the whole thing and actually interviewed John Connolly's widow for the story in the New York Times. And there's still things we don't know, obviously, about Oswald. And But I, I came away convinced that Oswald definitely was the gunman, probably the, uh, almost certainly the lone gunman, that um, it was not a, a really deep, deep state conspiracy. Why a conspiracy theory then? Is it because it seemed too simple for one crazy guy to do this deed? Well, yeah. And, you know, even John Connolly's widow, who I said I interviewed, she had an impression of two gunshots, I think. You know, official Warren Commission uh, concluded, uh, I think there were three, one bullet went through both Connolly and and, uh, President Kennedy. Uh, One went astray. But she uh, remembers hearing, I think, another shot. And so she came away thinking there was more to the story. So, yeah, there's plenty of room for conspiracies. I mean, the fact that it all, you know, that it all worked out, this this 
crazy guy, you know, finds his way to the top of the Texas School Book Depository with a cheap Italian rifle, takes out the president. It really is almost too much to believe. What about Jack Ruby? Towards the end of his life, dying of cancer, as I recall, he hinted at something more he'd want to say but never said it. I, you know, he could say that. I, I again, uh, I think the the ground has gone been gone over. I mean, I, you know, I would never say never, but we go with the evidence that we've you know been able to put together, and everything I've seen, you know, leads me to believe that that was pretty much it. That he was uh, a, a very enamored of the Kennedys, um, hated Oswald for you know killing uh, Jack, and. Um, and, you know, in those days, security wasn't as tight as it is today. So a guy like um, a Ruby, who was known to the to the Dallas police, of course, uh, as a nightclub operator, uh, easily could find his way into police headquarters with a gun and uh, get right up to Oswald. So that's not uh, really surprising, given the gun culture that existed then and now. Now they have thousand times more guns if that and that's probably an underestimation there let's move to other things here obviously ufos uaps flying saucers are also considered conspiracy related thinking that maybe the government knows the secret of the ufos and they won't tell us which is obviously something being claimed for the years how did you personally get involved in a story that covers a pentagon investigation well, a couple of things came together. I mean, I had been working uh, since uh, 2004, basically, on a biography of John Mack, the Harvard psychiatrist who investigated alien abduction, because uh, I, I happened to be in Texas when um, I picked up one of his books. And uh, right after that, he was run down and killed in in London, uh, talk about conspiracies. I mean, that immediately set the internet aflame with conspiracy theories. But again, we can talk about this in more detail. But uh, I, I certainly satisfied myself from the police reports that it was not a conspiracy to kill John Mack. Um, it was a guy who had too much to drink, and Mack looked the wrong way down the, you know, the London street, uh, they drive on the other side. So um, anyway, so I'd been working on this John Mack uh, book since 2004. But in 2017, uh, my friend Leslie Kane, who I'd gotten to know from my research, uh, came to me with a very interesting story. And, um, and that's what found its way into the New York Times. And then how did Helene Cooper get involved? Well, what happened is um, uh, Leslie came to me with a story that she had attended a meeting in Washington, D.C. This was in October 2017. Um, and the meeting uh, featured Lou Elizondo, who was the head of this then unknown Pentagon office to um, investigate UFOs. Uh, we called it ATIP. It went on, under different names. It had been around since 2007, but had never been written about. And, um, and because Leslie had such good contacts um, uh, in the you know, UFO field and the government field, uh, they let her sit in on this meeting. And um, Lou Elizondo was, had been the head of this a secret agency investigating UFOs called ATIP, and he was resigning because uh, he was not getting enough support from uh, the Pentagon. 
So, um, and uh, they showed Leslie some videos that had been taken uh, off the West Coast of um, uh, UFOs uh, buzzing a carrier group. So she was very excited about that and, and came to me uh, and she had gotten clearance from them to, to tell the story about this, you know, this uh, ATIP and um, why it was set up and that Lou Elizondo was resigning. So um, I had left the Times in 2009 after 45 years, but I still had good contacts there. So I took the story to the Times and they were quite excited about it, as you'd imagine, and decided that it was important to include a Pentagon correspondent who had good sources in the Pentagon because we needed somebody who could, um, uh, you know, get good comments out of the Pentagon. Uh, so it was a natural call. So I understand. She, Let's do our break yeah. here. We have Ralph Blumenthal, former New York Times reporter, author of The Believer, which is about John Mack who, of course, got involved with UFO abductions. We're talking about the early days of the story that became a very trend-setting, pace-setting report in the Times from 2017 on the Pentagon's UAP program. More to come with Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? 
We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. 7 million children suffer from asthma more than any other chronic disease. Most asthma attacks are caused by allergic reactions to allergens, including those left behind by cockroaches and mice. In fact, 82% of U.S. households contain mouse allergens, and cockroaches are found in up to 98% of urban homes. How can you protect your family? Find out at PestWorld.org. A message from the National Pest Management Association and the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, Ralph Blumenthal, this information came to you from Leslie Kane. And as our listeners know, Leslie is a friend of the show. She's been a guest a number of times. And so we've always been happy to have her on. And so you brought this to New York Times. And being that Helene Cooper is the Pentagon person, she's the one who got involved? Yeah, so uh, the Times editors wanted to get somebody uh, from the Washington Bureau with good Pentagon connections involved, and Helene was was perfect choice. She was one of the people who covered the Pentagon. She was very familiar with naval operations. So when we um, came to the Pentagon with the story, obviously we needed to get confirmation of everything that we'd been told, uh, and Helene was the perfect one to run that by the Pentagon. Now, I forgive me for calling her Helene. My sister-in-law is Helene, spelled the same way yeah. as Helene. Okay, now we understand how she got involved. Did she at all prior to this have any interest at all in the subject? I don't think so, <laughs> which is good uh, because, um, you know, John Mack also came to this subject uh, pretty, uh, you know, clean, as he thought, as he said. Um, he had not had any sightings of a UFO uh, which made him a good person to pursue this, you know, this whole investigation because he didn't have uh, an agenda. 
Um, and Helene also, uh, as far as I know, was not, uh, had not, you know, not written about UFOs and knew, didn't really uh, uh, have any particular interest, but she had interest in whatever the Pentagon was doing. And as it turned out, the Pentagon had been secretly monitoring these objects for, for quite some time. Well, we know if we look back at the history, it goes back to the 1940s. But this obviously was something new compared to then, because Project Blue Book folded in 1969, and I gather they were glad to be done with it. Now, before we go into this story, because you were working on the bio of John Mack, how did you pick him as a subject to write a book about? Well, he picked me, <laughs> you know. Okay. Every book I I've written uh, is kind of creepy, but they kind of reach out to you. I mean, that's been my experience. And many authors will tell you that, you know, finding a subject is not, you know, an intellectual process of, you know, thumbing through a telephone directory or an encyclopedia and picking out a subject. But some some weird things happen. It's like, you know, synchronicity. So um, what happened is... I started mentioning the story. I was down in Texas for the New York Times in 2004, and I picked up a a used book from a used bookstore, and it was Passport to the Cosmos, which turned out to be John Mack's second book. And uh, I read the book by a Harvard psychiatrist who investigated stories of people who had come to him, patients and others, with accounts of, of uh, in, you know, encountering or being inducted by alien beings. And he found this extremely strange. He was a noted psychiatrist. Uh, and he couldn't shake the stories. These people were adamant that this had happened. There was some fragmentary bits of confirmation, which we can talk about. Anyway, he tells this story in Passport to the Cosmos. And I was taken with the story, again, of a Harvard psychiatrist who's on this strange quest. And I thought I would interview him for the Times. And now I had no idea that he was already very famous. Uh, he'd been in the New York Times. He'd been on Oprah. You know, he'd had quite a history. Before I could do anything, I picked up the paper one day and saw he'd been run over in London. Uh, he'd been run down at night. Uh, he was there for a conference and um, uh, so he was dead suddenly. And uh, so that got me even more interested in the story. You know, uh, who was he and, and how did this happen and uh, how did he get into this strange subject? So I made contact with his family and it took a while because they were in deep mourning, as you could imagine. But eventually I got access to all his records and his unpublished um, uh, files and his uh, uh, you know, uh, psychiatric sessions, both some of his patients and himself. So that that got me started. And I worked on it for 17 years, basically on and off until the book came out. OK, so that tells us how you got started at the time that you were in touch with Leslie Kane at the time the Times had finally commissioned this report on the Pentagon study. Had you formed any personal opinions about any of this? Well, you know, I knew that I knew enough to know that these were not figments of imagination. This was not, um, you know, uh, these people were not mentally ill who were reporting this. The, this, the stories I read many stories of sightings from people who, um, you know, had had good credentials. They were professional people. They were police officers. The professionals. Um, as well as farmers and housewives and children. 
So I did believe there was something to it. Yeah, um, that uh, it was not um, there were not illusions or delusions. Uh, I, I didn't. I, of course, I didn't know, and I don't know to this day what what this phenomenon, uh, you know, is, con- is is constituted of or what it represents. But uh, I, I certainly thought there was something to it. When the Times commissioned this story, what kind of marching orders did you guys receive? The usual, you know. Um, uh, look, I've been at the Times for forty-five years, so they didn't have to tell me to, you know, get the facts, get get it accurately, get the quotes, you know, get it all on the record, and um, and that's what I, I think made this story so successful was that um, these were not anonymous sources, you know, speaking off the record or on background. We had chapter and verse. Uh, we quoted people, including Lou Elizondo. Um, we later on. Um, we had some of the pilots who observed these objects. We did interviews with them. We had Lou Elizondo's service records, so we knew he wasn't a kook. Um, we had everything on the record. And then we had these videos uh, that the Navy did, you know, took uh, uh, thermal imaging videos of these objects themselves, um, which caused a sensation when, when we put them out on the New York Times website. Now, I've heard a couple of varying stories with regard to the structure of this program. And one of the reasons of that is because we had on Colm Kelleher, Dr. Kelleher, who worked with Mm -hmm. Robert Bigelow, and he, in the book that he co-wrote with George Knapp, identified the first program as Advanced Aerospace Weapons System Applications Program, or OSAP, this before ATIP. So were they the same organization with different names or what? Yeah, um, uh, it's very complicated, as you might expect uh, a subject like this. Um, you know, the Pentagon was hardly transparent. Um, uh, ATIP was the public name, um, and it was not classified. Um, I'm not sure about OSAP, but it, when, it was, when the program was constituted in 2007, when Harry Reid got the money, uh, to fund it, it was originally known, uh, or internally certainly, as as OSAP. We have more to come. We're talking about the coverage of the New York Times and the work that Ralph Blumenthal, Helene Cooper, and Leslie Kane did to reveal this Pentagon program. More to come with Gene and Tim. You're in the Pericast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com.
What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented Made in America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Russian forces are now shelling Ukraine. Russia claims that some of the shells fired were from a government-held part of eastern Ukraine and landed on their side of the border. Earlier, separatist leaders ordered a full military mobilization. President Biden and his defense chief are convinced that Russian leader Vladimir Putin has made the decision to invade. Secretary Lloyd Austin in Lithuania. For months now, Russia has been building up its military forces in and around Ukraine, including in Belarus. They are uncoiling and are now poised to strike. At a security conference in Munich, Vice President Kamala Harris warned that Russia would face unprecedented financial consequences if it attacks Ukraine. This is USA Radio News. Police have arrested more than 100 protesters involved in the so-called Freedom Convoy demonstrations in the Canadian capital of Ottawa, which officials said turned violent. The convoy protests began in late January and were initially focused on the Canadian government's vaccine mandate for cross-border truckers. But now it's expanded into a broader movement against public health measures to limit the spread of COVID-19. On Friday, police arrested more than 100 people and have had 21 vehicles towed in Ottawa. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act to allow the government to expand measures to end the protests and pointed out to CNN that some people in the U.S. are funding the protesters. Officials in the U.S. are also concerned about a potential trucker convoy protest ahead of President Biden's State of the Union address on March 1st. According to CNN, you're listening to USA Radio News. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? Ninety-two Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now 800-503-8625-800-503-8625-800-503-8625 this is Jacques Vallée you're listening to the podcast the gold standard of paranormal radio By the way, Ralph, he's the man with 27 voices, so you'll forgive me. <laughs> let's, let's continue here. Okay, so 
OSAP was like the internal name, and yeah. ATIP was the public name. Right. In, in, okay. To, to the extent that it was public at all. Now, this was not advertised because when we wrote about it in 2017, no one had ever heard of it publicly. So uh, it's not as if this was a name that was used, bandied about. It was unknown, but it was more public, or at least it was uh, it was a name that they used in case it became public or when it became public. So that, that's what made it complicated. And I know that Colm Kelleher and George Knapp have said that, yeah, there was a previous program that the, the Times didn't, didn't mention, but it was just too complicated to lay it all out for readers under the different names. So we kind of simplified it and said that in 2007, when Harry Reid got the money for it, the story we told, um, we called it ATIP. Well, at least it makes it easier to figure out what's going on. The other thing we had heard, of course, is about... Elizondo, that maybe his role was exaggerated. Contradictory statements from Pentagon spokespeople. What's that about? This is really very sad that uh, there was some uh, effort underway after our story broke to uh, degrade or, you know, minimize Lou Elizondo, take him down. As I said before, we had his service records, his commendation records. Uh, There wasn't a scintilla of doubt that he was who he said he was. Um, He headed the program. We knew where he worked out of in the C-ring of the Pentagon. Uh, We knew who he reported to. We knew his colleagues. So it was, you know, we were not taken aback by anything that people said later. But there was some kind of an effort later. And by the way, it, it got worse later because... Uh, he actually uh, sued, and he has a case pending, Lou Alessandro does, um, against people who um, tried to malign him and put out a false picture of his uh, minimizing his role. So uh, you're absolutely right that there was an effort underway to, uh, to take him down, but in our view, and we looked into this, uh, it was completely without merit. So what's the point of this nonsense? Were they trying to conceal what was going on? Why would they even get involved with this guy? Well, you know, with this subject, it's a very controversial subject. And uh, there are people in the Pentagon. First of all, when Lou Elizondo resigned in October 17, uh, they didn't take it to um, Defense Secretary Jim Mattis for, for quite a while. <laughs> they were afraid uh, that, that Lou Elizondo's superiors did not uh, know quite how to handle it, how to break the news to Jim Mattis. He, Mattis had a lot of other things on his mind, of course, you know. But um, it was, you know, there are... Uh, different uh, stresses and strains in the Defense Department. It's not, it won't come as a big revelation. There are some people who are very against uh, the idea of investigating um, UFOs. There are f- fundamentalist uh, strains in the in the Pentagon who believe that, you know, UFOs are demonic and, you know, we don't want to have anything to do with them. Right. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, so that, that would explain why some people didn't want to touch this. Well, I know that my late uncle, my wife's late uncle, Lewis Kaplan, or evangelist Lewis Kaplan, was obviously at one time Jewish, but he became an evangelist for Jesus, and his group believed that UFOs were demonic. It's not too hard to convince people that there's something demonic about them, because they're so strange. And um, But... 
you know, again, uh, certainly people like like Lou Elizondo thought they were worth studying. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think that's the prevailing view now, certainly since the report came out, the UAP report came out June 25th of last year, the task force, it was a short report, but it made some major breakthroughs in affirming that these things are real so that, you know, the debate is over. Well, it didn't say, hey, E.T. is here. But it didn't say it wasn't here. It, it, it well, seemed like well, a pretty straight ahead, down the middle report. Well, it was, but we got to make very clear that this was not a report about aliens or alien intelligence. It was just a report on on objects, uh, physical objects that turned out to be physical, as the Navy discovered um, that they were real. And that was the big breakthrough. The report stopped well short of trying to explain what they were, where they came from, were they intelligently controlled, who was behind the wheel, all those questions, which are natural questions and really good questions and, and probably the most important questions remain unanswered. But at least uh, the, the Navy now affirmed, or the Pentagon in this UAP report affirmed that these things are real. They're not, uh, you know, delusions or uh, optical illusions or fly specks on the windshield or all the other things that people said uh, to, you know, to throw the public off the track. Now, I understood that they were supposed to have a follow-up report within 90 days. It never happened. Am I correct? Um, you know, there's a new a new organization now, right? Um, and um, so the UAP task force has been folded into this this new group that uh, will uh, issue is tasked with issuing a, a, another report. I forgot what the, the timing is. You know how much time they have to do it, but. I don't think that there was another report that was, uh, you know, whose deadline was missed. I think um, there's now a new organization that will, uh, you know, put out a new report. And um, so we'll we'll see. I'm not, you know, really up to, on the latest on that, but uh, there will be another report. The, uh, the money that Harry Reid originally secured for this program was uh, rather minuscule compared to uh, – uh, other Pentagon uh, uh, budgets. Uh, do you do you think that this money was secured really just more of kind of a, a, a lip service? You know, oh yeah, you know they they want to look at UFOs, so you know we'll just you know, throw throw them a little bit here, and maybe they'll just shut up. No, not at all. I mean, this was serious money. It was a, a you know drop in the in the bucket compared to the rest of the Pentagon budget. Twenty two million dollars doesn't go very far these days, but it was serious money. And it, it, it was enough to give um, Robert Bigelow um, uh, funds to uh, subcontract out for reports, many of which became public later. They were very arcane reports about, um, uh, you know, physics and different wavelengths and, you know, all kinds of things that would help explain the phenomenon of UFOs. So the, re- the reports are not you know, very sensational on the face of it. But uh, that money, uh, you know, d- did go some ways, and it was a serious commitment. I know that one of the people that Bigelow reached out to was MUFON. But right. that relationship went a little bit crazy. You get different stories about it. That's, of course, part of what happens in the UFO field. You have competing interests fighting against one another. 
Yeah, unfortunately, um, it's a very unruly field. And, you know, Leslie and I found this when we were doing our reporting. We were being second-guessed by different, uh, you know, UFO, uh, you know, fans or uh, ufologists were tracking our calls. And if we spoke to somebody, uh, they would put it out on the Internet that, you know, Ralph and Leslie spoke to this person. That means they're doing this. And it really got to be very intrusive, and we, you know, we were very unhappy about it. Nothing we could do, but uh, that is the problem with the field of ufology, um, and not just ufology, but it's a whole problem with the internet that you can't police it. I mean, not that you'd want to, <laughs> but we're not a police state. But uh, the downside of that is that there's all kinds of misinformation, things are twisted. Um, and there's a lot of infighting, and uh, the truth is often obscured in the process. Well, as someone who has been following the UFO stuff since I was a teenager, I actually got started when I was 11, which is four or 5,000 years ago, as you might realize. I think you're maybe a couple of years older than I am, so you and I are both uh, seniors. But even then, you had this interplay, this back and forth, this feuding. We've got more to come with Ralph, Gene, and Tim. You're in The Pericast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. 
He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. February is heart month. Every year for the month of February, to show our appreciation to Extendivite's faithful customers, we have a sale. If you would like to try Extendivite, now is the time to get a few months ahead and really give Extendivite the time to show you how it works. Most of Extendivite's long-term customers wait for this sale to stock up. People and doctors tell us about the unbelievable improvements that they have experienced in their overall health, not just the heart. Extendivite wants you to experience the power of these herbs. Get a four-month supply for only $115 for either the capsules or tincture. Please take advantage of this once-per-year sale and get healthy for life. To order, call one 877 928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com or find us on Amazon. Extend your life with Extend Ovice. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, one thing, parenthetically, I've noticed about this is that, in a sense, this current interest in UFOs ignores the past. They don't think about all the tens of thousands of sightings that go back to right after World War II and even before. Did anyone ever ask them why the focus doesn't cover those cases? Well, I mean, the UAP report was nine pages long, so that was not going to go into a whole history. Also, it was a report on, I think, 140 sightings uh, off the aircraft carrier group mainly, if not exclusively. So they were not going back to the whole history of, you know, sightings to World War II, the Foo Fighters. And I mean, if you go back further, you go back to the 1880s, the Phantom Airships. People have been spotting phantom aircraft, you know, back to before they they were heavier than aircraft before the Wright brothers. And then if you go back to, you know, folklore and ancient annals, thousands of years they've been talking about strange objects in the skies. So, you know, the UAP report was not going to go into that history. First of all, the history has been written about in many, many books. What the value of the UAP report was, was that this was an official government agency uh, talking about 140 reports, all of which, except one, were unexplained. You know, I don't think they were covering up the the history of, of earlier sightings. They just didn't, they weren't dealing with that. What about this new office to which that's being folded into? and the new emphasis from the 2022 Pentagon budget. Will that go back into the historical record, or is it still going to just look forward? 
I don't know. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see. I, you know, no one is going to no no government agency. I think is going to deal with um, sightings by civilians. I mean, that, that whole field is not scientifically controlled. So um, there's a huge record of these sightings, as I said, going back hundreds, if not thousands, of years. But the the reports uh, are, are very hard to uh, obviously to verify, and th they run the gamut between reports that were uh, verified by or corroborated by other people, you know, all kinds of. Uh, in, in turn, it runs the gamut, a spectrum of of you know, credible to not credible. So no, no one's going to deal with that in, on an official basis. So, but I think the the new uh, uh, government agency, the Gillibrand, I guess uh, it's gotten sort of taken her name of uh, Senator Gillibrand of New York, who was instrumental in setting it up. Um, I, I think will will come out with some kind of a new report that will take will will move the ball forward. Let's get back to the genesis of this. After this story came out, you had some follow-ups. What kind of feedback did you get from? shall we say, sources outside of ufology? Um, we had a lot of good cooperation. First of all, we made contact with pilots like Dave Fravor. Um, and um, uh, we did a story about um, him and what he'd seen. We did a sidebar to the main story. Um, we uh, interviewed Ryan Graves and another pilot, and um, we got their accounts of close calls with these objects and the fact that the the official Navy records recorded these close calls. I mean, you know, pilots said that they just missed hitting one of these objects. So that added, uh, you know, corroboration that these were official Navy reports. Um, and, you know, we, we kept reporting and we're still reporting, by the way, Leslie and I was still poking around trying to move the story forward. But the last thing we, we did was look into the question of, of possible material recovery. What about the involvement of Tom DeLong, the To The Stars agency? That's one where Elizondo and some other people got involved for a while. Did that make things worse, better or what? Well, um, it's an interesting question. Tom DeLong, you know, set up this To the Stars Academy, uh, which was um, uh, an effort to look into the to, to fund, uh, you know, research into the UFO phenomenon. Um, and um, he did attract, you know, some very important, prominent people, including Lou Elizondo. Um uh, it was also partially an entertainment uh, effort, uh, company. So it kind of mixed in, uh, you know, science and entertainment, which is why we were very careful to differentiate our, ourselves at times from, you know, from his effort. Uh, we welcomed, you know, um, what he did, and uh, he did some important things, but that was his effort, and we did not want to be uh, lumped in with an entertainment effort where people couldn't differentiate between science and, and fiction. Um, so um, uh, so that's where, you know, we, we, we were very careful not to uh, lump ourselves in with his, with his uh, academy. Are there any particular piece of information significant that you have not as yet published because maybe you were told not to or you haven't had a chance to fully verify it? Yeah, 
There's <laughs> a lot of stuff that I'm not going to talk about um, because we haven't uh, verified it. But the big questions are still out there. Uh, you know, what's behind these things? Um, uh, you know, uh, but uh, the New York Times was very careful in limiting our stories and properly so uh, to what could be uh, established on the record. You know, again, we didn't take off the record information or speculation. Or, um, so uh, well, we're continuing to work. And, and there are many, many important questions. And it, it's, it's not hard to figure out what they are. Um, but it's, it's hard to get the information. First of all, a lot of this field is, is classified. I mean, a lot of the observations... Um, you know, recorded by Navy uh, and Air Force personnel. Air Force kind of lagged behind for reasons that are interesting. But, um, uh, but very little has, has come out uh, officially. So that's part of the problem. And, you know, we, we, the stories we put out have been um, not classified. You know, we, haven't, we, haven't, we have not broken the law, uh, and we won't. Well, at least you stay out of trouble that way. <laughs> yeah. But then, of course, dealing with a sprawling agency like the Pentagon, which in any way, sense, or form is disorganized because of its size, has to make things difficult. I want to ask you just a parenthetical question. I know Tim has some for the next segment. And that is we're seeing these very positive quotes from two former heads of the CIA, Brennan and... Who's the other guy? I can't think of who the other guy is right now, but I will in a second. Woolsey. And they say the subject should be investigated further. And the question I had with that is, if you're head of the CIA, and this goes back to the days of Helen Carter, back in the early days, and he was a friend of Major Kehoe, wouldn't the head of the CIA know everything about the subject that the military oh. knows? No. One of the things we found out, uh, is that it's a very compartmentalized, stovepiped. Uh, even the president doesn't know, especially I could say almost the president does not know everything. You know, you might think, well, the president has to know everything. Well, the president um, can know what he wants to know, I, I'm, I'm sure, um, uh, if he tries hard enough, but he's got a lot on his mind. Um, um, but... Um, uh, a lot of this information is squirreled away in uh, different uh, special access programs, both in the government and at contractors, private contractors, defense contractors who are not in the government. Um, so it's a very, very um, complicated business uh, where information is held, who has it. Um, and even Lou Elizondo, as as we reported and others, uh, had trouble um, getting access to certain information. Uh, Harry Reid tried to get um, uh, Elizondo cleared for special access programs and, and failed. And um, uh, the information is very closely held in, in different nooks and crannies of the government. And um, that's been one of the uh, hallmarks of this whole business. Well, the common conspiracy theory, and this will extend to our next segment, and I know Tim Swartz has questions. The common conspiracy theory is that the government does know. There is some organization, group, whatever, within the government that knows the secret of the UFOs, a silenced group or whatever, and if you give them the proper incentive, 
they're going to disclose everything. We have these advocates feeling that's going to happen, which, of course, as we all know, never seems to happen. The book is The Believer, which we'll be talking about in a few minutes with its author, Ralph Blumenthal, co-author of the pieces the New York Times wrote on the Pentagon's UAP investigations with Gene, Tim, and Ralph. You're in The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com. Or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So I posed the whole thing there. Ralph Blumenthal about what the government might know. So you think there might be a silence group there that has some kind of deep, dark secret? I'm not so sure. Everything I've um, seen so far in our reporting is that this information is compartmentalized. It's broken up into bits and pieces. I know it, it might be comforting to think that there's one person somewhere in the government who is at the center of you know this vast spider web of information and knows everything. Um, I do not think uh, that is necessarily true. But um, it certainly is parceled out in different, as I said, special access programs and different pieces. The CIA has some, the National Reconnaissance Office has others, NASA has others. And it's not necessarily pooled together. 
So uh, yeah, I, I don't think that there's one person who s- sits on everything. It makes me wonder, considering how long that the government and the military have been involved in investigating the UFO phenomena, uh, how much information has been actually lost over the years. You, you talked about compartmentalization. Now, how much of it has been locked away into cabinets or into warehouses? People have died, and this stuff has been forgotten about. Well, that's a good question. I don't think the the, the um, investigation was ever dropped. I mean, after Blue Book closed at the end of 69, that was not the end of it. The CIA and different uh, intelligence agencies continued to compile information for sure. And um, and I don't know whether the information was lost or squirreled away in different places. You know, the CIA did a big a document dump a few years ago, uh, revealing, you know, a lot of documents and a lot of information. I think the Roswell stuff is still missing, by the way. <laughs> So, uh, you know, stuff may exist somewhere. Uh, I don't think it's stuff has been lost necessarily. I mean, you know, I, I think it, it, it's just a question of finding out where it is. We may never open those lock cabinets, but I think they're there somewhere. I always think here when you talk to Roswell, you think at the final scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they stick the evidence of the Ark of the Covenant inside this warehouse, which I call Warehouse 13, naming it after the Sci-Fi Channel TV show. And therefore, we'll never hear about Roswell again because it's just all been locked away because they couldn't figure out what to do with it. Well, it would be nice to to come up with with, uh, an archive that uh, has been lost or squirreled away. I think there's still a lot of questions about Roswell. Um, and the longer it's taken, the more, you know, conspiracy surrounds it. So, you know, the, the, the government made a mess of things for a long time. Uh, and I think the way the government handled things was, was really at fault. It uh, created an aura of, of conspiracy that where these, you know, conspiracy theories could flourish. Um, I'm not saying that the government would, should have or, or could have let everything out because we were in you know, a Cold War struggle with adversaries who were looking for the same information. It would be utopian to think that we would let every, everything out that we found out about these you know, strange objects or forces. It was a, you know, a research um, race, too, after all. But uh, the way the government handled it and, um, you know, and enlisted advertising agencies to paint uh, ufologists as communists and, um, you know, uh, disloyal and uh, or insane, um, it really is shameful. And uh, what I do like to say is that I think the the public here is ahead of the government in that uh, people know what they've seen, thousands and thousands, millions of people know over the years what they've seen and uh, you know the government efforts to paint them as mistaken or crazy or so uh, have not worked and only discredited the government going back to that idea of rubber stamping the ufo phenomena as uh, as crazy or you know just in, in the realm of 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 nuts when you first approached the new york times for the initial story, you and Leslie, uh, 
was there, I'm sure there was, hesitation on, on their part to go with a story like this? Because, I mean, in the past, the New York Times, uh, when they have done stories about UFOs, not all the time, but a lot of times they, the story has been kind of snarky. That's true. Uh, the Times uh, has been snarky, um, uh, but they've also published some good stories uh, going back to um, uh, Mantel and uh, when he was chasing a UFO and disappeared. Uh, so they have, uh, I think it was an AP story that the Times ran. Um, but uh, to answer your question, no, the Times was not uh, uh, particularly skeptical because uh, Leslie and I, when we sat down with the uh, editor from the um, Washington Bureau, we met him at the New York Times and we laid out the information we had. Um, as I said, it was all on the record and with documents. So, you know, the time you can't argue with that. Um, and uh, if you, uh, you know, the Times is in the news business. I, I was in the news business 45 years, so I knew a good story. So when you lay out for an editor, as something that happened officially, you know, there was this was an official Pentagon agency, ATIP, that had come up with uh, videos. We ended up, you know, putting out three of them. Um, uh, there wasn't really anything to argue with. What about the reaction from uh, your fellow journalists? I mean, you have anybody approach you afterwards and say, I'm really glad you did this. I've been wanting to do something similar, but uh, I just didn't have the guts. No, we didn't hear that. But Helene, um, who is actually working in the Washington Bureau, told us she took some grief from her colleagues, jokey stuff. They would just, you know, start humming uh, weird music when she walked by. Um, <laughs> and um, so uh, but then she told us that she uh, uh, put up the videos that we had gotten um, showing the the objects that Navy pilots had gotten thermal imaging and radar images of these objects, and everybody was dumbfounded. Everybody, you know, gathered around her desk and looked at it. So suddenly they weren't, you know, joking anymore. They were uh, fascinated. And that's, you know, the uh, that's the reaction we got from the public. That's the reaction we got from editors. Those videos are among the most watched things I think the New York Times has ever put up. And every time, you know, someone runs a story about uh, UFOs, they use those videos uh, that we put up on the Times website. So to answer your question, yeah, Helene took a little more grief because she worked every day in the Washington Bureau and we weren't going into the office in those days, uh, um, even though it was pre, uh, you know, pre-pandemic. But um, I, I had, you know, I was no longer a regular part of the paper and Leslie was a freelancer, too. So we weren't uh, interacting with colleagues the way Helene was. All right. Now, Helene is, as we do this, busier dealing with the possibilities of Russia attacking Ukraine. Yeah. And all those issues and ramifications, we would think. Yeah, what's interesting, though, is that when we um, you know, followed the story through and, you know, we, we reported that. Um, a lot of these um, uh, observations were made by the Nimitz carrier group off San Diego in 2004. And then there was another flurry of sightings um, uh, starting about 2015 and 16 off uh, Virginia, uh, the aircraft carrier group Theodore Roosevelt. Helene had been on the Theodore Roosevelt uh, for another story. So she knew a lot of the people from that. So she brought, a, you know, particular uh, knowledge of that ship and, um, you know, people who served on it. So that was very helpful. 
The videos that you uh, referred to that have uh, received so much uh, play since that time, how do you think that uh, they were released? Uh, I mean, we know, I mean, we're pretty certain that the uh, the, the military over the years has taken other, uh, probably even better uh, videos of, uh, of UAPs, yet these managed to, uh, to get out. How, how do you think that happened? Well, I, I kind of know how it happened, and um, there was no, no real mystery. Let's leave a cliffhanger, folks, and you'll hear the answer of how these got released. More to come with Ralph Blumenthal, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. No matter if supply lines are down, product deliveries are slow, and that most everything costs more these days, you still have neck and shoulder pain, right? Good news. Sunny Bay has new products that target neck and shoulder pain. Products that are in stock now, ready to ship anywhere now. Like our extra long neck heating pads. They provide soothing relief to painful sore necks and backs. You can heat them in a microwave oven, and they come in a variety of colors and patterns. And for stress relief, get our lavender-scented hands-free neck wraps or maybe you need one of our smaller lower back wraps great for seniors again there's no shipping delays from sunny bay find our new products on amazon walmart etsy and sunny-bay.com just search for sunny bay neck wraps all our products are great for men or women are reusable and easy to clean remember just search for sunny bay neck wraps order now because stock is high and shipping is fast from sunny bay As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. 
Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nanocolloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. GCN's policy is open forum avoiding censorship. Defense costs for words spoken outside of our control supersede the ability to deliver voices to this important talk platform. The First Amendment is the foundation of our core values. Cancel culture is silencing voices regardless of perspective. Freedom to speak is in the balance. Support the legitimacy of speech itself. Consider donating to SaveGCN.com. That's SaveGCN.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I'll tell you the voices he comes up with, Ralph. <laughs> 27 and a half voices he does. There you go. He doesn't do Porky Pig or any of the male blank ones yet. Okay, Ralph, let's be serious about it here. You were about to continue with the answer about how these photos came to be released, the videos. Yeah. Uh, Lou Elizondo had. we saw the paperwork, had gotten permission to um, access these videos. I think two first and then a third one, which Leslie ended up seeing, Leslie Kane. Uh, when she met with them first in October 2017. We saw the paperwork. Lou Elizondo had gotten official uh, permission to um, uh, access those those videos. And I don't want to talk too much about the process because we never do talk about how we get stuff. Uh, they were not classified. Um, they were not stolen. <laughs> we got them after they were uh, cleared for release. Uh, Chris Mellon later came forward to say that he had been a middleman and had gotten them from, you know, um, uh, Lou Elizondo and gave them to the Times. We, we haven't commented on that, but they were cleared for release. Let's put it that way. And uh, no one else had gotten them and we got them. Which makes you wonder, though, why they were cleared for release, because, I mean, the, the military has always been so tight-lipped when it comes to this subject over the years i mean to the to the point of just right out denying that uh, the phenomena has any uh, um, uh, uh, present a danger to uh, the united states security so why these videos yeah that's a good question and by the way these are just a small these are very much the tip of the iceberg there are uh, these three videos that we put out on the Times web page are just portions of longer videos, and there are many more videos, we understand, um, that have not been cleared for release. Other videos have uh, surfaced in different, you know, venues, but, um, you know, why these were allowed out and not others is a good question, and uh, Lou Alessandro was certainly, um, you know, prominent in, in seeking greater 
you know, uh, publicity for, you know, for the for the phenomenon and for, for getting the story out. And he's committed to that today uh, for more, you know, information. He still uh, adheres to his oath of secrecy when it comes to dealing with classified material. Obviously, he's very uncomfortable talking about certain things when he's interviewed. But I think it was his uh, his intention to, um, to to get these out. And, uh, you know, you're right that for many years the government was holding back and uh, the Air Force in particular, the Air Force was Air Force was much slower than the Navy for for reasons that are, are kind of puzzling because the Air Force, I mean, that's their their milieu is the air, not the Navy. You know, they, I mean, some of these objects have been seen underwater, too, which is another question. So maybe the Navy, that's where the Navy operates on and under the water. But in the air, it should have been the Air Force. But the Air Force has been more reluctant uh, than the Navy uh, to to make this public. So uh, the fact that any of it was made public at all is kind of interesting. Now that this has happened with the emphasis on the Navy, what's the Air Force doing, if anything? They're lagging behind a little bit, but they're, they put out a new um, directives saying that now they want, um, they, they welcome uh, pilot reports. You know, it used to be that if a pilot reported a UFO, uh, he or she was jeopardizing their career. Uh, to be sent to the psychiatrist. Um, and the word quickly spread that um, this was not a co- good career move to report, you know, spotting a UFO. And now things have changed, which is quite, you know, welcome news that uh, the Pentagon has officially uh, declared that uh, personnel are um, uh, supposed to report these, these things. So uh, that is a big step forward. You'd think with all this that this would then go to the private scientific community for investigation. Now, of course, we've heard about Project Galileo with Dr. Avi Loeb from Harvard University, but he seems more focused on possible intelligent craft out there, not here. Um, I've actually uh, talked to Avi Loeb. It's interesting because he... Uh, in a way, was John Mack's natural successor at Harvard. I mean, they both were at Harvard. Mack was in psychiatry. Loeb was in astronomy. But Avi Loeb is is a different uh, uh, being, a, a, a magnitude of of being than than John Mack. Uh, in that 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 Avi Loeb uh, is not so much interested in aliens as John Mack was. Uh, he's interested in this ob- objects, and of course, the particular object, uh, Oumuamua, that came into our, um, uh, you know, atmosphere in 2017, and then disappeared before anybody knew what it was or what could do anything about it. Um, but um, uh, so, Avi Loeb does not want to be, uh, you know, lumped together with the people who are studying aliens. Um, but he is um, interested in putting this on a strong scientific footing, and uh, I think he's very courageous for that because he uh, he endured his own you know backlash at Harvard and elsewhere, like John Mack. Not not as bad. I mean, John Mack was put under investigation, which he uh, overcame uh, without any you know ch- charges, but. Um, uh, but Avi Loeb, uh, you know, is, is being very careful to stick to the science. So now, one thing that's interesting, though, about Project Galileo, and that is that 
amongst the people who were involved, Dr. Jacques Vallée. And Vallée is not looking for objects out there. He's very much focused on here on Earth. Yeah, Jacques Vallée is one of the, uh, you know, real heroes of the ufology field. Uh, a very enigmatic uh, person, uh, very learned, um, um, and as he himself will admit, um, somebody who is, contradicts himself all the time because he he doesn't cl- he says he's the only uh, UFO expert who doesn't know what they are. <laughs> so he's honest in that sense uh, and doesn't pretend to you know have an answer. He's as mystified as anybody else. A lot of his early work was in establishing the history of these things going back to you know ancient times. So uh, the fact that he has aligned himself with uh, Project Galileo is is noteworthy. I first met Jacques Vallée after he wrote Anatomy of a Phenomenon. There were several of us who visited him in Chicago, and we had an hour or two hours to spend with him. This is the 1960s, folks. I'm aging Mm. myself again. You know, I've been around forever, but I did not write the very first song. Or the last one, or any song. So that was very interesting. We're talking here, of course, about the Pentagon UFO study and all the ramifications thereof. And very shortly, we're going to get more into Dr. John Mack with Ralph Blumenthal, formerly of the New York Times. And one more thing. Ralph will hang with us for a while for this weekend's episode of After the Paracast, part of the Paracast Plus. For more info, check out theparacast.plus. With Tim Swartz and Gene Steinberg, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Russian forces are now shelling Ukraine. Russia claims that some of the shells fired were from a government-held part of eastern Ukraine and landed on their side of the border. Earlier, separatist leaders ordered a full military mobilization. President Biden and his defense chief are convinced that Russian leader Vladimir Putin has made the decision to invade. Secretary Lloyd Austin in Lithuania. For months now, Russia has been building up its military forces in and around Ukraine, including in Belarus. They are uncoiling and are now poised to strike. 
At a security conference in Munich, Vice President Kamala Harris warned that Russia would face unprecedented financial consequences if it attacks Ukraine. This is USA Radio News. Police have arrested more than 100 protesters involved in the so-called Freedom Convoy demonstrations in the Canadian capital of Ottawa, which officials said turned violent. The convoy protests began in late January and were initially focused on the Canadian government's vaccine mandate for cross-border truckers. But now it's expanded into a broader movement against public health measures to limit the spread of COVID-19. On Friday, police arrested more than 100 people and have had 21 vehicles towed in Ottawa. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act to allow the government to expand measures to end the protests and pointed out to CNN that some people in the U.S. are funding the protesters. Officials in the U.S. are also concerned about a potential trucker convoy protest ahead of President Biden's State of the Union address on March 1st. According to CNN, you're listening to USA Radio News. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. You see what happened, ladies and gentlemen, is when I started aging myself, Tim got older. Sold. Tim, you want to pick up on the questioning? Well, I was just, and I suppose this is the question on everybody's mind. I mean, what next? Uh, now that the Pentagon is being more open with their uh, UFO investigations, do you think this is something that will continue? Or do you think that it'll be kind of like uh, in the past that uh, they'll just slowly stop talking about it and hope that uh, everyone forgets? Yeah, that's the question. I mean, um, it'd be nice if this were linear and we just move on to, you know, greater and greater openness. I mean, it is a little hard to put the genie back in the bottle now. Once the, the, the Pentagon has basically confirmed in the UFO report of last year, the UAP report, that these objects exist, you can't go back and say that they don't exist or that they're figments of imagination. You would think the next step would be, well, what if they exist, what are they? Where do they come from? And, uh, you know, there are all these other questions. I don't believe that we're on the cusp of so-called disclosure or that the government, one, you know, uh, suddenly is going to hold a press conference and say we're going to announce everything we know. I think that's utopian. I, I don't think it's going to happen. 
that's not the way things work. But, you know, uh, uh, brave people like Lou Elizondo keep pushing pushing things forward. So now, you know, Bill Nelson at NASA has said some interesting things and there are different people in Congress. They've, they've been briefed, by the way. So it's especially hard to put the genie back in the bottle because people in Congress have been told, again, it's been classified. So we don't know what they've been told. But we did a story in the New York Times saying that they, they were briefed Different congressional committees were briefed on possible material recoveries from crashed vehicles. So, you know, we know that they they know stuff. It's interesting here, too. We have Senator Gillibrand. We have Senator Rubio. And we have the gentleman, a congressman here on the adjacent district to mine here in Arizona, Gallego, that they sign on to this thing. And I think, what is the constituency for having a positive measure in a Pentagon budget to investigate UFOs? Well, you know, uh, people want to know. I mean, people are curious, and they, they don't want to be called crazy for what they've seen. So um, I think there's, uh, you know, increasing interest. Uh, we know the stories are very well read. The, the Times piece of 2017 and subsequent pieces got huge readership. And, you know, it's one of the things that's always and it, it's, you know, it, obviously it's a big component of entertainment. It's in, you know, it's all the movies. Don't look up. That, that was a, an asteroid, not a UFO. But uh, so the public is interested. Uh, so that's probably the constituency. Well, certainly we can have Marco Rubio running as president, which is, of course, one of his ambitions and say, I'm the guy who's bringing the truth about UFOs to the public. Yeah, he's getting a lot of attention uh, with that. Of course, nobody, you know, no one is putting out a lot of information, which is because they they don't have it or they can't say it if it's classified. So um, we're kind of you know running around in circles. There's not much new information that's coming out because it's so closely held, and you know, so we'll have to wait for the next uh, sort of breakthrough. Also, I have to wonder here if they feel, and this is something which is not 100%, if they feel that UFOs, at least some of them, have an off-world origin, how do you prepare, how do you prepare the people for something like that? Yeah, I know that's a big concern. I, I happen to think that the people are better prepared for that than, than the government seems to fear. Because, as I said, people have been encountering these things for a long, long time, and they know they're not figments of imagination. And, and you know, if you believe uh, John Mack's research, there have been some polls that have been uh, questioned or questionable uh, that put the number of people who've had uh, alien encounters or, you know, those those kind of uh, abduction type encounters in the in in the hundreds of thousands, if not the millions. So, uh, you know, very hard to quantify. But a lot of people have had strange experiences. So, uh, I sometimes think that people are more ready for this than the government, uh, you know, seems to think. I'd read a survey couple of years ago talking about that very subject on uh, how people would react if it was revealed that uh, there was extraterrestrial intelligence out there in the universe and the survey found that the general public would accept it fine the uh, various uh, religious groups wouldn't have a problem with it 
but it would be scientists that would have the most adverse reaction to information like that. Well, uh, that's uh, very astute. I mean, first of all, uh, religion, uh, the Vatican has been in, you know, uh, I wouldn't say the forefront, but has been up there with UFO curiosity. You would think, or maybe some people would think that the the church would be adamantly opposed, uh, you know, to any discussion like this. But actually, there have been ufologists uh, at the Vatican Observatory who've been very, uh, you know, uh, intrigued by uh, all these accounts. Some have met, some of them met with John Mack. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, if if the history of of religion has been strange sightings and manifestations of, uh, you know, spiritual beings on Earth, uh, then it it shouldn't be too surprising that they're intrigued by these uh, these sightings. Uh, either way, they have been open uh, and interested in it. The science, you're absolutely right, had been very uh, hostile. Hostile is probably the right word. And people who, fa- some people who fancy themselves as, as scientists have been really uh, adamant in, uh, in not even, yeah, that, that as, as, as scientists uh, have been notable for not being uh, open to um, you know, entertaining some of these accounts uh, that that come anecdotally, and and in some cases through scientific measurement, like the radar tracks of uh, you know um, the Navy, um, uh, because uh, you know uh, they they think it's somehow unscientific to uh, entertain this possibility, but uh, you know there's a long history of scientists being close-minded when something outside the usual frame of reference appears, uh, and that didn't start with UFOs. That goes way back. Um, to uh, you know, uh, earliest days of science, and uh, and scientists themselves um, have have noted that and quarrelled about it, and t- taken issue with fellow scientists who have been close-minded um, uh, because they adopt an orthodoxy that is contrary to their uh, their sworn interest in entertaining new possibilities. So. Uh, it's it's fine to be skeptical, but when evidence presents itself, um, uh, they have they they need to go with it. Not to be crass, but do you think if there were more grants to do UFO research, some of these scientists wouldn't take them up on it? Well, it's you know it's like a self fulfilling prophecy because there, there's no money for it, no one does it. And they don't do it because there's no money in it. So um, uh, maybe if uh, more money was made available, you know, I say this at the end of my book, The Believer. I talk about the billions and billions of dollars that is thrown into scientific research, telescopes and space stations and uh, the Giant Hadron Collider, uh, all worthy, eminently worthy scientific um, enterprises uh, looking for you know the hidden nature of matter and you know what's uh, uh, out there you know in, in the uh, in millions of, of light years away and in, in the black holes and what what is a black hole that's fine I mean it's certainly worth um, uh, you know all the billions of dollars that are being studied but along with that there's some other things like what are the what have been the effects on people who've encountered UFOs let's do our break here. Ralph, and we have more to come, and we're beginning, at least at the edges, to talk about the believer. 
With Gene and Tim and Ralph, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, I'm Al Aberroa, founder of Knight Strategic Wealth. Inflation is picking up, markets are volatile, and the dream of a comfortable retirement is harder to attain than ever before. Nobody wants to run out of money in retirement. That's why I'm going to share something that your financial advisor doesn't want you to know. With our investment strategy, when the stock market goes up, you earn a market-linked return that locks in every year. And when the stock market goes down, your investments won't lose a dime. There are no unnecessary fees, and it works for your investments, money at a brokerage firm, or even money at a bank. It's simple, it's safe, and that's why savvy investors work with us. Want to learn more? Text FREE to 833-898-0500 and we'll send our retirement readiness kit directly to your phone right now. If you want to help build a retirement portfolio that will go up with the market and never lose money, get our retirement readiness kit today and see how this strategy can help secure your future. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, If you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free, 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. Have you been diagnosed with cancer? Are you one of the millions who have taken Zantac or other generic versions of this popular drug to help treat stomach issues? Then pay close attention to this message. The FDA said it detected low levels of a probable cancer-causing chemical known as NDMA in Zantac and other generic forms of this popular drug. They've banned sales and even removed it from the market. If you've been diagnosed with cancer and you've taken Zantac or a generic equivalent, call the legal helpline now. 
You could receive a free cash award and have your medical expenses covered. And there's no upfront cost to you. They only get paid if you win. So please call now. 800-998-7173-800-998-7173-800-998-7173. That's 800-998-7173. Screenwriter, producer, you're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Ralph Blumenthal, former New York Times journalist, one of the people involved in those really special articles beginning in late 2017 on the existence of a Pentagon UAP program. And he's going to also be joining us on after the Paracast after this episode ends. He's author of a new book here called The Believer. That's about John Mack. Now, obviously, having read the book from John Mack in the early 2000s, you got hooked kind of there. But let's talk about John Mack. How does a Harvard psychiatrist start looking into UFO abductions? Yeah, good question. Um, well, it's a quite a story that I trace in, in The Believer. Um, he was he began as a very conventional psychiatrist and somebody who was very committed to earthly causes like a nuclear disarmament, uh, like bringing uh, mental health services to the poor. Uh, he also wrote a, a book that ended up winning the Pulitzer Prize, a biography of uh, Lawrence of Arabia, T.E. Lawrence. So he was very, you know, focused on down-to-earth issues. But little by little, he became aware that there was something uh, else going on out there, something interesting. And he um, he went out to Esalen, uh, that, you know, think tank, that psychic think tank on the Pacific um, in the late 80s. And he got into something called holotropic breathing, where he found he could enter uh, advanced states of consciousness by controlling his breathing. This was developed by a Czech psychiatrist named Stan, Stan Groff. And he accessed different parts of his psyche that he, he really wasn't aware of. For example, his mother died when he was eight and a half months old, John Mack. Um, she died of appendicitis. And he was always mourning his, you know, her, her loss. I mean, he was a child, so he always knew he missed his mother. But it became a, a, a real issue in his life later. And through this holotropic breathing, he felt himself back in the womb and he felt himself being born and he connected with his dead mother. And so he had this sense that there was something else going on um, that he couldn't quite understand, a spiritual dimension to existence. So it was preparing him for something else. And then he heard about a guy named Bud Hopkins. Uh, who was an artist who had done the some of the first research into uh, people who had uh, alien encounter experiences. And at first, John Mack was dismissive, and he said, this is crazy stuff. And he didn't want to be associated with it, but he met Bud Hopkins, and he saw the letters that people had written Bud Hopkins about experiences they had had, and then John Mack started meeting some of these people himself, and he could not explain what they had encountered. And that's what started him off. That's that's the beginning of the story. 
should tell our listeners, if you go back to our archives from 2010 and 2009, you'll see four interviews where Bud Hopkins was present. So we, we knew Bud Hopkins for a number of years. And we had him on towards the end of his life. And so we got a good summary of where he'd come from. Okay. Now, the first we heard about possible UFO abductions before Bud Hopkins, of course, and later on Dr. David Jacobs, was with Barney and Betty Hill. Yeah, I tell that story in, in The Believer because that was the uh, really the first well-publicized abduction uh, story account. And uh, it broke in 1965, about four years after it had actually happened, because Barney and Betty Hill didn't talk about it right away, not publicly. Um, they, they mentioned to a close circle, but the story really never, never got out. And uh, basically, they had been driving home from a belated honeymoon trip uh, to Canada and driving through the White Mountains of New Hampshire. They spotted a, an object, a craft, and the car stalled. And they uh, then later uh, recaptured all these experiences of being taken by beings and subjected to various um, you know, experiments on a craft and then being let go. And they consulted a psychiatrist, and the story sort of came out in hypnosis, uh, but sometimes uh, through conscious recollection. So that was the story that came out in the 60s, and it was a sensation. It, it, it was a book written about it. It was a movie. And um, so that was the first – that's when alien abduction sort of entered the, uh, uh, the, the discourse. Well, I know it was very political at the time because – Major Kehoe's organization, NICAP, was very reluctant to talk about possible cases involving contact with aliens, whereas the other big organization of the time, APRO, was interested. In fact, I remember an article in one of the other UFO magazines at the time, how close will Major Kehoe let a UFO get? Well, obviously, with the Hills, he let it come very close. <laughs> If he had anything to do to say about it, well, uh, it, that put the story into a new dimension. I mean, there had been accounts of, first of all, there had been sightings of UFOs going back to antiquity, as as um, Jack Valet documented, and then uh, there had been also accounts of uh, encounters with with alien beings uh, over the years. You know, well before Betty and Barney Hill in the sixties. But they didn't get a lot of attention and they were not obviously not well documented because they, they never are, uh, which is kind of a hallmark of the phenomenon. It's really interesting that it doesn't get well documented. Um, but anyway, that, that was the, the, the new development in the 60s. And that's what John Max stumbled across when he met uh, Bud Hopkins. And what made Max's involvement noteworthy is that he was a noted psychiatrist who'd won a Pulitzer Prize writing about uh, Lawrence of Arabia. And he had real standing. He was a Harvard uh, professor. Um, and, you know, nobody could accuse him of being uh, ignorant. He'd written a book on nightmares, actually, so that when people said, oh, you know, you don't understand, these people are just having a nightmare, he could say, listen, I know nightmares. I've written a book about nightmares, and these encounters don't only happen at night. They happen in broad daylight. 
So um, uh, he really elevated this uh, issue to, you know, to a new dimension or a new credibility. When John first uh, approached the subject of experiencers, was was he under the impression that this was purely a psychological uh, 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 situation, you know, possibly an uncategorized uh, 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 neurosis that uh, uh, really needs to uh, uh, be seriously looked into? Yeah, that was certainly his first impression when he first heard about Bud Hopkins. He thought these people are just crazy, simply crazy. And uh, to his amazement, when he started uh, uh, seeing them professionally himself, uh, he realized very quickly that they were uh, well-functioning people in every other way, uh, except for this extraordinary experience. So um, that's what, uh, what stumped him. And then, of course, he... He started interviewing some children, uh, some as young as, you know, two. And they were telling stories, you know, as children would would tell in a very uh, childish way of going up in the sky with uh, uh, being taken up in, in, in craft. I mean, they. They, they, they told it in ways that a child would say it, but uh, he realized these children were not recounting books that they had read or movies they had seen. This was some real experience to them. So that that really struck him. And then he, he came up with, you know, some fragmentary evidence like the scars that uh, people were talking about that they didn't remember having before they they had encounters. And then in some cases, there were even... Um, some fragmentary third-party corroborations of people missing when they remembered having these encounters. So all these things convinced him that there was something going on that he couldn't explain. Now, did you ever look at, in terms of background material, the folklore going back to earlier centuries where people supposedly got in touch with other beings? Because sometimes people relate the UFO abduction scenario to that. Oh, yeah, there's a rich history uh, in in folklore um, uh, of these stories of, uh, you know, the shape-shifting of the Navajos that came up with the Skinwalker Ranch story when when Robert Bigelow bought this ranch in Utah um, that had been uh, the the, the subject of a lot of Indian uh, tales of uh, uh, strange paranormal events. Uh, so there was a rich history of uh, what you'd call alien encounters that weren't wasn't they weren't always called that. We've got more to come with Ralph and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So Ralph Blumenthal, the author of The Believer, about the work of John Mack and covering a lot of the modern-day UFO abduction scenes, talking about this folklore going back centuries where they are in touch with other beings. And you think maybe things like leprechauns, smaller beings, or like gray aliens things like that. Can we think maybe they're due to the same cause? Yeah, there's a rich history of uh, different uh, strange beings. I mean, Tom Bullard is a folklorist who's written extensively about um, these uh, encounters with uh, fairy beings, and uh, it takes various forms. And again, because it's folklore and it's stories that have been passed on and the tales told in ancient annals, um, and even the Bible, they are just stories, uh, which is the problem, of course. Um, it's, it's, it is anecdotal. There is no evidence that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, uh, satisfies scientists. We understand that. Uh, and yet, as John Mack pointed out, uh, people get convicted in, in court on circumstantial evidence, on anecdotal evidence, and they get sentenced to death. <laughs> so um, we, we do accept witness accounts up to a point. Now, didn't John form his uh, own group to, uh, of, of experiencers to, uh, to research? Uh, he did. He gathered a group of uh, of people. Ended up uh, several several score people that he uh, counseled. He could. He, it was never clear whether they were patients or subjects. That was an interesting issue. When he came under investigation at Harvard, they asked him, "Well, are these people 
patients of yours or are they research subjects? And they were a little bit of both. He did nothing wrong, actually, in the way he handled people. But Harvard could never get its head around what, you know, what these people were. And in fact, it, it's kind of confusing because they, they were not patients in the sense that there was anything wrong with them. Uh, except that they had this really weird experience that was very troubling, obviously troubling. Uh, and if they were research subjects, they were willing. I mean, they came to, to John Mack willingly. So, uh, so nobody could quite figure out what they were, these people. Did John work with these experiencers in a different way than, say, Bud Hopkins or some of the other uh, experiencer researcher. You know, I'm thinking along the lines that since uh, you know John was a psychiatrist, that he would uh, approach this subject uh, uh, differently than, say, somebody who was interested in the UFO phenomena. Yeah, he did in, in, in the sense that he was a professional and Dave Jacobs, who was a history professor, and Bud Hopkins, who was an artist. I mean, not to take anything away from either of them. They were pioneers, uh, very dedicated to, uh, you know, the mystery and trying to figure it out. But they, they were self-taught uh, people. They, they taught themselves hypnosis, for example. Uh, so that they could get at the memories of some of these people. Uh, Mac also had to restudy hypnosis, but he didn't put a lot of stock in hypnosis. He, he did um, use uh, relaxation techniques to get people talking, but he was very wary of hypnosis itself. But he certainly had the credentials that others didn't have as a world-famous psychiatrist. And that's what gave him, you know, the added clout uh, to study this field. Now, parenthetically, Dr. Jacobs has expressed the belief that E.T. is creating a race of hybrids that apparently would infiltrate our society and take over. That's a little bit extreme, don't you think? Well, this was a big issue between uh, John Mack on the one hand and uh, David Jacobs and Bud Hopkins on the other. Hopkins and Jacobs were very taken by the idea that these were real uh, experiences. They, they were happening in real time in, 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 in a, a recognizable reality and that the purpose of these abductions was to create a hybrid race. It was a reproductive function. And John Mack, uh, who had heard the same stories from people, um, increasingly believed that there was something else going on and it may not be happening in our reality. But he certainly heard the same stories and he investigated the same stories. And it's very mysterious now. Uh, the, the science has not confirmed that there are people going around with a hybrid DNA uh, or with hybrid children. Uh, so that's been obviously the the missing element all along. But uh, to, to get back to your question, um, John Mack was more uh, reluctant to adopt this um, uh, hypothesis than Jacobs or, or uh, Hopkins. So did you have any opinion one way or the other about what you think the cause is? Because some people separate abductions from UFO sightings, asserting there are two different causes, Jerry Clark being one example. Well, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, Mac found an association 
between UFO abductions and UFO sightings, that many of the people who recalled being abducted afterwards, let's say, who recounted these experiences, remembered a UFO in proximity, but not always. Sometimes, uh, I mean, people like Whitley Strieber uh, has had, you know, talks about many experiences very strange experiences that don't fit a pattern that are not associated with UFOs and yet seem to be abduction type experiences. So, uh, so that's, you know, that's the issue. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it, it, there's certainly people have seen UFOs, uh, without being abducted, without remembering being abducted, uh, now, sometimes memories are clouded. That's another hallmark of this phenomenon that people uh, claim not to have a clear memory of events. And only afterwards, you know, during um, hypnosis or relaxation techniques, do they begin to recall or seem to recall, um, you know, some other events, some encounters with beings. But some people just see a UFO and that's the end of it. Or some people just have an encounter experience and don't see a UFO. So uh, Jerry Clark is right. And the thing I wonder about here, too, of course, is when you have a case where there is hypnotic regression, the danger exists, of course, that the hypnotists, and I won't mention Dr. Jacob's name, I just did, might lead the witness on. That's always an issue with hypnosis, which is why it is not recognized in court. And, you know, you remember probably if, uh, some years ago the big scandal with uh, retrieved memories and the reliability of these memories. People remembered supposedly uh, being abused um, um, and uh, people were convicted uh, of, of that abuse. And some people actually confessed to abusing other people or in one case of killing um, somebody um, and, um, and had no memory of it till, till afterwards and he was convicted. So, uh, and, and later doubt was cast on that event because there was no, um, corroboration of that event actually occurring. And you remember the McMartin school case of the children who claimed the most horrendous kind of abuse without later any, any corroboration. So the whole question came up of memory. How reliable is memory? And um, and that became a big issue um, in the uh, you know alien abduction field. I mean, if if people can have these uh, vivid sensations of remembering things that turn out to be impossible or not true, then how reliable can memory be? But on the other hand, all the different uh, alien abduction accounts add up to a kind of a general picture that is pretty hard to to throw away, uh, to negate in the end. Yeah, that John Mack found that there was just uh, too much evidence, uh, or not even if you want to call it evidence, too many accounts uh, to discount. So uh, it, it was just very troubling that there was all... Uh, all this information out there that that could not be easily explained away. And by the way, neighbors, next week we're going to feature UFO researcher David Marler, who owns one of the largest collections of UFO materials and also explores the triangle phenomenon in connection with UFOs. We've got more to come with Ralph, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Yeah. 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First game, Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNLoans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNLoans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNLoans.com. That's GCNLoans.com. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. That's 800-670-0946. Jose works on a farm. Safety is important. His boss calls 811 to determine where it's okay to dig. This protects Jose from hitting an underground line and from serious injury. Because Jose can't tell exactly where or how deep the lines are, he doesn't dig until 811 tells him it's safe. The most important thing is that Jose works safe and goes home to his family. For more information, visit farmsafe811.org. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So let's pick up on that right now. The thing I wonder about, just in terms of logic, that if E.T. wanted to get genetic samples from somebody. They could do it in a painless way, number one. Number two, they could also do it in a way that you wouldn't even remember what happened. And I think, for example, of this instance back in November where I underwent an angioplasty where they put a stent in my heart. And the doctor said I was talking through the procedure because I was living in the twilight because of the sedation. I remember nothing of it. I just remember getting up in the hospital bed and sitting there for a couple of hours before I was allowed to leave. So we can pretty easily do things that could cloud your memory. You'd think that if E.T. is doing this physically, they could make it possible that you'd never remember. It wouldn't happen under hypnotic regression. It wouldn't happen under relaxing somebody. It would be gone. Or they could plan false memories of what really happened. Yeah, well, you know, when you try to uh, ask why these stories take the pattern they do, it's very difficult to to understand. And John Mack dealt with this in the, uh, you know, the case of a a landing and and, um, uh, appearance manifestation of beings in um, Zimbabwe in 1995. He went to investigate a very famous uh, case at a, a school in um, outside Harare, the capital, where children, 60 children at recess, saw uh, a landing and beings and uh, became a very famous episode, probably the best documented uh, episode since or even ever, including uh, Betty and Bonnie Hill of, of an alien encounter. Anyway, it happened while the children at recess and no, and no parents and no teachers were around. And they asked John Mack afterwards, he investigated it, he went there and interviewed all the kids, and they said, "Why did? how did the aliens figure out when the children would be alone <laughs> and no parents? And he said, you know, I'm not a very good alien psychiatrist or psychologist. I don't understand why things are happening the way they are. And that really has to be the answer. We don't know why these things were done, if they even happened in reality, the way they were. Why did the aliens do it this way and not that way? There is no way to answer that question. All we are left with are the accounts that people have given, and they're very detailed, and they are symmetrical. They they seem to, you know, fit a pattern. Uh, but why they happen this way and not that way is not possible to answer. John Mack was very educated, had a lot of uh, diverse interest in his life. Uh, Do you see from doing your research that uh, it was uh, almost inevitable that he would uh, uh, go into this uh, line of research? Well, I guess looking back at the trajectory of his life, he was open to new experiences, that's for sure. He was interested in drugs. 
Um, he did experiment with ayahuasca, with LSD, so he was open to new experiences. So you could say, well, he was a person who, when he came across a, a new phenomenon that uh, couldn't be explained or easily explained, other scientists or professionals might shy away, uh, but he was willing to jump in. So, yeah, you could see the, the trajectory of his life. He was courageous. Uh, he didn't seem to care much about the, the, the jeopardy to his career, which was considerable. He could have turned away, but he was not the kind of guy who would turn away. Uh, it was a genuine mystery uh, that he uh, was willing to risk his career to confront. So uh, that, that really is the only explanation for why he would, why he would do that. But considering... The jeopardy, as you as you mentioned, uh, did his uh, his interest and research uh, attract the interest or disdain of his superiors? Well, very much the disdain. Um, to, some, to to some extent, the interest of of colleagues who stood up for him and spoke in his defense when he was put under investigation. But ultimately, um, there was some quite a bit of disdain at the highest levels of Harvard. Uh, they did form a committee. Uh, I call it the Inquisition. He he. They called it that themselves at one point. They said it was not an Inquisition. So he, <laughs> being a psychiatrist, said, "Well, if it was not that, why?" They call, why they say what it wasn't, um, but it was a kind of an inquisition because it it, it inquired into his beliefs, uh, his methodology, his his insurance practices, you know, a lot of private things, um, and in the end, of course, concluded that he did nothing wrong. Um, but first, they they took him, you know, over the coals. So there was a, a lot of skepticism. Uh, uh, at Harvard. I mean, and Harvard was no stranger to strange research. I mean, you know, uh, um, William James, the father of psychology, had been uh, attending seances at, at Harvard and writing about that a hundred years ago. So, uh, but uh, something about John Mack rubbed them the wrong way. Did well, he I mean, ever reach before the end of his life any conclusions as to what was going on or was just an enduring mystery that he couldn't solve? Well, that's a good question. Well, he knew that there was, I mean, basically he didn't solve the mystery, nor has it ever been solved. Uh, we, we don't understand what these experiences um, amount to. But uh, he, he did conclude that, there was, that they happened in some reality, that they were not made up. They were not hoaxes. These people were not fabricating them. They were not doing it for publicity. On the contrary, they were desperately afraid of getting, you know, of, of, of being, uh, you know, attracting attention. They tried to, they saw him under pseudonyms. Um, um, so, uh, they, and they were not definitely not crazy. These people functioned in every other uh, element of their lives. So, um, he, he ended up thinking something had happened. There's something going on. Uh, I don't know what it is, but it is, uh, it's not nothing. Now, in past years, one of the people we talked to was a guy named Doug, who was brought to us by Bud Hopkins, and he came out on the Paracast, and I had private conversations, and he had what we would regard as a typical, if you want to call it typical, a typical range of abduction-like experiences, and the guy was a straight-ahead guy, 
Nothing weird about anything he'd done in his life, but this happened to him. And let me throw out something else for you when we continue this discussion on the other side, and that is in one of our episodes of the Paracast, we had Kathleen Marden. I presume you know who she is. Yes. And, and Denise Stoner, a psychic. And Denise told us a story of being abducted, taken aboard a spaceship, and meeting somebody else, total stranger. And they exchanged information aboard the spaceship. And then later on, they sought each other out outside of this experience to compare notes. So we have two people in two different parts of the country undergoing a shared experience. And then after it happens, they recall it and are able to exchange information on similar details. And whatever else is happening, if somebody is experiencing this in his own mind or her own mind, how can something like that occur? That's really strange. Ralph, Gene, and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Russian forces are now shelling Ukraine. Russia claims that some of the shells fired were from a government-held part of eastern Ukraine and landed on their side of the border. Earlier, separatist leaders ordered a full military mobilization. President Biden and his defense chief are convinced that Russian leader Vladimir Putin has made the decision to invade. Secretary Lloyd Austin in Lithuania. For months now, Russia has been building up its military forces in and around Ukraine, including in Belarus. They are uncoiling and are now poised to strike. At a security conference in Munich, Vice President Kamala Harris warned that Russia would face unprecedented financial consequences if it attacks Ukraine. This is USA Radio News. Police have arrested more than 100 protesters involved in the so-called Freedom Convoy demonstrations in the Canadian capital of Ottawa, which officials said turned violent. 
The convoy protests began in late January and were initially focused on the Canadian government's vaccine mandate for cross-border truckers. But now it's expanded into a broader movement against public health measures to limit the spread of COVID-19. On Friday, police arrested more than 100 people and have had 21 vehicles towed in Ottawa. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act to allow the government to expand measures to end the protests and pointed out to CNN that some people in the U.S. are funding the protesters. Officials in the U.S. are also concerned about a potential trucker convoy protest ahead of President Biden's State of the Union address on March 1st. According to CNN, you're listening to USA Radio News. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Ralph Blumenthal, had you ever heard of anything like that, where separate people are abducted in separate locations and get in touch with each other after the event? Yeah, I have. (laughs) It's not the first time that has come up. Uh, Karen Austin, who was one of John Mack's uh, first uh, abductees or experiencers, he uses a neutral word, which is probably better, because we don't know what the experience really uh, amounts to. So uh, she had a similar account of um, being taken into a clearing and... um, Having these experiences, uh, seeing a being shown a child that she was told was hers, uh, a hybrid child. And later she met a guy who uh, remembered her from that experience or said he did and had been at the same clearing. And I, I've heard, you know, accounts like that. Again, uh, impossible to understand, um, but they are, I was going to say sworn to, but they're not really sworn to, but they are attested to by people who've had these experiences. And as you said, the people in every other way seem completely normal. They are puzzled themselves. Uh, They don't understand these experiences. They are frightened by what they say happened to them. And uh, so they're normal in every other way. And yet they will tell you the story and they will say it was not a dream. It's more real than anything else that's happened to me. I know it It happened. It was, you know, I can, you know, I, I know I wasn't dreaming, et cetera, et cetera. So, to, yes, I've heard those stories. Now, some people who follow UFO lore cite the late psychiatrist Carl Jung. Uh, 
about a collective unconscious, which I presume means a collective dream. So would abductions be part of a collective dream? Well, Jung had, you know, a lot of theories about that. And at one point I say in the book, he says it would be a shame if UFOs were real after all. He was so happy with the archetype idea. Um, he, he didn't want them to be real. Uh, they fit into his, uh, you know, gestalt that they, they were, um, you know, archetypes. Um, but now we know, if, you know, as recently as last year in the UA, UAP report that they're real. And the Navy has said that these things are real. They exist physically. So uh, there goes, you know, Carl Jung's <laughs> uh, explanation. I don't know what he'd say if he were around today. But, uh, you know, that's the big breakthrough that these things are uh, have a physicality. Now, what else they are, we don't know. But at least they're real. Well, if we think of something as civilization that's a thousand years ahead of us, there is no way we can conceive even the best sci-fi writers what kind of technology they're dealing with. It's like taking your iPhone, going back to the 14th century and say, here, do something with it. Yeah. Um, somebody we quoted uh, in our uh, one of our first articles in the New York Times said it would be like giving um, Leonardo da Vinci a garage door opener. <laughs> uh, you know, what would he make of that? Yeah, we don't know. I mean, uh, uh, it might not even take a thousand years ahead. Maybe just a few hundred years we could master this kind of technology. I know they're working on that. I mean, we, you know, we keep hear hearing stories about uh, efforts to understand the physics of UFOs, whether they have crashed remains or not. Um, the, the technology is of great interest, not only to us, but the Russians and the Chinese and, and probably other countries uh, would love to understand this advanced technology. Of course, we think of technology and we think of Star Trek, the 23rd and 24th centuries, and then we realize that some of those inventions we already have. Well, um you know, uh, look at the, um, you know, some of the advanced uh, aircraft that we've developed, the invisibility, uh, you know, the, the B-2 bomber, uh, which can be invisible by its coat of paint, for example. So, yes, we have some of that technology. And we think, of course, about cell phones, but you take your Apple Watch or a similar device for the Android platform, and that's a tricorder. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I grew up, they said, well, you know, someday in the future, people will be able not only to talk on the telephone, but you'll look at a screen and you'll be able to see the person you're talking to. You know, wow. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> it's come true. Well, didn't we have experimentation of that during one of the world fairs back in the 60s where you could have this mechanism that allowed you to have a video conversation, but it was very limited. You had to have someone to connect to on the other side, special setup. You had to spend a lot of money to even test it out when it worked. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it sounds like science fiction, but we uh, you're right. I mean, if, if you would have told people a couple generations ago that people were carrying phones in their pockets and connecting them to the World Wide Web and all kinds of uh, all the information in the world, you could, you know, remember when you'd had an argument 
uh, over who, you know, who won the World Series in 1934 or who, you know, stole second base and you'd have to go to the library or whatever. Now you, you call it up and it's no argument at all. All the information in, in the world, in the universe, is at your fingertips. So that's, you know, that's pretty amazing. I'm going to throw out something before we get back to Dr. Mack and the abduction research. The Mandela effect. You've heard of that? I, I have not. Okay. So... A group of people, if you ask what happened to Nelson Mandela, he died in prison. Now, what we all know, no, he didn't. He got out of prison, became the head of the country for a number of years. But people still remember that. And then, of course, there is the movie Moonraker, the second film featuring Jaws, the guy with the metallic teeth. And he meets this girl of his dreams named Dolly. I don't know if you recall the film. I wasn't a big fan of Roger Moore's 007. But in that film, people remember Dolly as having metal teeth, just like Jaws. In fact, she didn't. She had braces. Yeah, I mean, there's many stories around about multiple universes, infinite universes, and everything is true somewhere. And, you know, uh, in one universe, there's the shark has metal teeth and another one it doesn't. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, it's fun to speculate. Well, obviously, the imperfections of human memory, that makes it so difficult to even follow up on a UFO case because people have varying memories. If we look back at Roswell, where the first stories to reach mass circulation came 30 years after the event. And you've got all these people you're trying to set aside and find out what actually happened at Roswell. You get all sorts of stories, some of whom, of course, were made up out of whole cloth. And that may be caused by people just wanting to get into the action. I don't remember it in real life, but hey, if I say that I actually witnessed something at Roswell, maybe those alien beings. Well, perhaps I'll get my name in a book. But that was a problem, trying to check back to something that happened so many years prior and getting the real story. Yeah, Roswell is a really perfect example of the impossibility of penetrating uh, all these layers of misinformation. <laughs> the... Um, you know, the fact that the uh, the government put out one story in the press release, you know, from the beginning that a, a, a UFO had been retrieved and then backtracking and saying, oh, no, it was a weather balloon. And uh, uh, it, it is just impossible. Now the, the file has apparently been lost, the original file. Um, and uh, somebody who saw it and wrote a, a novel uh, about it, I'm blanking on his name, but uh, a famous case I just uh, encountered recently, um, uh, was apparently one of the last people at the CIA to see the file, uh, but um, no one can find him, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and no one knows where the file is. So uh, it's just, again, one of these, you know, this phenomenon lends itself to obscurity. Some people say that I'm obscure, but I'm still doing the show after 16 years. <laughs> there you well, go. Ralph Blumenthal, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz, you're in the Pedicast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. 
I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. No matter if supply lines are down, product deliveries are slow, and that most everything costs more these days, you still have neck and shoulder pain, right? Good news. Sunny Bay has new products that target neck and shoulder pain. Products that are in stock now, ready to ship anywhere now. Like our extra long neck heating pads. They provide soothing relief to painful sore necks and backs. You can heat them in a microwave oven, and they come in a variety of colors and patterns. And for stress relief, get our lavender-scented hands-free neck wraps or maybe you need one of our smaller lower back wraps great for seniors again there's no shipping delays from sunny bay find our new products on amazon walmart etsy and sunny-bay.com just search for sunny bay neck wraps all our products are great for men or women are reusable and easy to clean remember just search for sunny bay neck wraps order now because stock is high and shipping is fast from sunny bay Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com.
This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, of course, trying to remember what happened. But I would think here, if the military has lost the Roswell file, wouldn't that argue against it being a recovered spaceship? Because I don't think they'd lose that file. Well, well, I'm not saying they lost it. Maybe they they hid it somewhere. I mean, it has been It's gone. I mean, it hasn't been found. So where it is or who has it or, you know, what happened to it? (laughs) I don't know. But it adds to the mystery and makes it, again, one of these things that is is impenetrable. It's it's obscure. This whole phenomenon, the closer you get to it, the more it recedes. Some people say that's deliberate, that the force behind the UFOs is doing it that way. So they are always one step beyond. The government has hidden some records. We know that. Obviously, they have not put out some records. They've hidden other records. They've obfuscated and put out misinformation, disinformation. But there's other aspects of the phenomenon itself uh, that seems to relish mystery and obscurity. There are no good photos of of aliens, uh, obviously. Uh, Even the UFO pictures, now they're better for the first time now that the Navy has gotten involved, but they're still not what people want. They want very clear, unambiguous pictures of UFOs. Still, many of them are, um, you know, just shadowy and there have been better ones, worse ones. But anyway, uh, this phenomenon is not easy to pin down. Yeah, the phenomenon does seem to have an almost innate knowledge of human psychology, the way it it operates and, and kind of keeps people on edge. You know, people think that, oh, you know, uh, revelation disclosure is coming soon and then it shifts and now it's something else. Yeah, there's a lot of wishful thinking there. I, I've never subscribed to that, you know, doctrine that disclosure, whatever that means, is imminent. Because you're dealing with human nature, government, you know, nature, uh, secrecy, uh, all kinds of things. And if the government is busy investigating the phenomenon and trying to improve its techniques, then you'd think they don't know the answer. Because if they knew the answer, why would you have these projects? Well, you say the government as if it's, you know, one person. I mean, there's just different pockets that know different things. Well, also, you wonder here whether they should have taken it more seriously. And I think of the fact that the major concern, even in the stuff about the UFO projects, is whether it presents a threat to United States security. That's their mission. If something goes beyond that, you kind of think a lot of these people would just say, you know, I don't want to get bothered with that. Well, I mean, if it represents a threat, that's a worthy question. I mean, that's what we pay our government to do. Sure, but Uh, if they find it doesn't, it doesn't matter what the cause is. Well, you can't say it doesn't represent a threat because nobody knows what it is. And, uh, I mean, you know, we know it's not Russian or Chinese. That we know. So it's not that kind of a threat. But what the ultimate aim of these objects are, they have no idea. Aren't we also in a race with other governments to find out what's going on? Certainly if Putin had knowledge of an advanced civilization, he'd be using that as part of his leverage to dominate. And China would be the same situation. Yeah, we're very much in a race with earthly adversaries. Uh, they're interested in the same things we're interested in. Uh, harnessing this technology, whatever it is, 
you know, understanding this mystery, uh, using it for the, for you know national purposes. Look, if one country could understand the energy involved, that would be a huge breakthrough. If one country could harness that energy, uh, that would put a country, uh, you know, that could dominate the world. So, uh, sure, there's a race for that technology. Speaking of which, we do know of a UFO investigator from Russia who may or may not come on the show in the very near future. Of course, I'm sure he'll be limited in the things he can talk about, but then, you know, it'd be fascinating to see how they treat the subject because it's different in other countries. For example, in Great Britain, they seem more inclined with the extra-dimensional explanations as opposed to just physical spaceships from Alpha Centauri or something. Mm. Well, there may be different uh, orientations from different countries, but I think there's an understanding worldwide of what the you know what the mystery entails and you know what benefits it would be to harnessing this technology so um, you know there may be slight differences in uh, in approach but i think there's basic i mean it's an, it's an international community the community of ufology of course it implies that job number 1 is to bring one down to get the evidence of its technology Obviously, something that probably is not going to happen in the real world if it's physical spaceships hundreds of years ahead of us. But certainly that would be a goal. I think it's been tried, uh, rightly or wrongly. Um, uh, you know, there have been different uh, various efforts over the years to, uh, quote, capture one, uh, whether it's shooting it down or netting it or whatever. But um, the, 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 uh, as far as I know, it hasn't worked. <laughs> There was actually a UFO book that came out from Frank Faschino Jr. And it's called Shoot Them Down. And it's about the cases in the 1950s, in 1952 specifically, where evidently there were efforts to try to do that. Yeah, I've heard stories like that. Again, I haven't investigated it myself, so I don't know, you know what records exist about it and um, I, you know I've heard stories but uh, as far as I know again that's another hallmark of this phenomenon is that it, it doesn't respond to conventional weaponry well certainly if they're that far advanced if we do the wrong thing they could bring us down pretty quickly well that's true and so and so far I mean I think that's one of the uh, interesting observations of this phenomenon it has not acted in a notably hostile manner if you exclude you know the abductions which are pretty terrifying and and hostile and perhaps uh, without much regard for the you know well-being of of the victims but there's no evidence i'm aware of that this phenomenon has betrayed a notably hostile you know approach to humanity even the instance with captain mantell there are other explanations and they don't indicate that the pilots behind the UFO were trying to bring down his airplane. Right. He just disappeared. Maybe he went into the phenomenon. Maybe it was it took him up. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe he, he got too close to it and, and, and his plane crashed. I mean, the last transmission was that I've sighted this huge thing and I'm going to try to, you know, get close to it. And then it went, went dark. So uh, we don't know what happened. Star Trek episode was based on something like that, where they actually recover 
an aircraft when going back through time. We're going to end our main segment now of the show, but Ralph Blumenthal will be back for After the Paracast. Ralph, for people who want to get more information on what you do, where do they find you? Okay, my website is ralphblumenthal.com, www.ralphblumenthal.com. That's my website. It lists all my books. It lists The Believer, all the appearances I've made, and uh, there's a contact tab so you can get in touch with me. And what are you working on next? Another book, maybe? Uh, I don't know yet. I'm working on some things. <laughs> I'm still recovering from the 17 years it took me uh, for The Believer. You can find us on Twitter if you look for The Paracast. You can also find us on Facebook. We have two areas for The Paracast, but the people at Facebook will not let us put our URL on Facebook. And Tim has the same problem with his website, conspiracyjournal.com. I don't know what they think about us. Maybe they don't like us. Hmm. You can also buy branded merchandise for the Paracast at theparacast.shop. We offer the usual range of t-shirts and throw pillows and goodies like that. And we have four different logos, by the way, including a couple designed by our former co-host, J. Randall Murphy. That's theparacast.shop. We also offer the Paracast Plus for advanced Paracast listeners, we offer a version of this show with higher bit rate, better quality audio, free of the network ads. And the After the Paracast podcast, where discussions that begin here often continue there as they will with Ralph Blumenthal. So you want to check that out at theparacast.plus, theparacast.plus. Special deal if you use the coupon code UFO20, that's UFO20. We give you a 20% discount on lifetime and five-year memberships of Paracast Plus. Ralph Blumenthal, so glad to meet you. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Okay, thank you, Gene. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.